Welcome to Two for None, your favourite cricket comedy podcast. My name is Patrick Cullen and I'm here, of course, with my delightful co-host, Christopher T. Barty. Bardo, how are you, big man? How are you tracking over there? Oh, Pat. Oh, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> Pat. Nine months, I think. <laughs> Without a test victory. <sighs> Nine months. Um, Nine months. People have had babies in that time, Chris. Well, that's there right. are children who have been conceived yeah. and born in the time it's taken for Australia to win a test match. <laughs> and all it took was the aid of an utterly bizarre pitch. <laughs> <laughs> and the good it was fortune w- of winning the toss. <laughs> yeah. and some, Thank you. You know, all right batting. Yeah. Serviceable. Serviceable batting. Yep. And we've won. Won. Oh. Won all. We're back. <laughs> We're back. And unfortunately, Nathan Lyon. Fortunately, we picked him. A, we didn't follow India's route of not picking him. And B, he took eight for. Um, and I think that distinctly helped. But what a test, Chris. Oh, my goodness. It was like it had everything, didn't it? It had highs. It had lows. It, it like power changed hands multiple times. We didn't think we were going to make it. And then the pitch just started doing absolutely wild stuff. Um, obviously the curator down there did some special work. I don't know what he mm. put on it, Bardo, but um, it was oh, like the surface of Mars covered in grass. It was absolutely buck wild. Holy dilly. I feel exhausted actually. Just, just in retrospect, I feel oh, wrecked. What? What an adventure um, that was. Um, Massive, Chris. It was like Lord of the Rings, but in Test Cricket, it was. I think you and I were probably Frodo and Sam. We can work out who was who later later down the track. Um, I'm thinking I'm probably Frodo at this point because I don't want the editing. Anyway, uh, I'm not sure if that You're going to be Frodo. <laughs> I'll be Samwise. Or maybe Merry and Pippin because they like breakfast and I like breakfast. You know what, Mary and Pippin's a far more accurate descriptor for you and I, Chris. I think that's really accurate. Uh, mate, uh, this test, I feel, is going to take us a really long time. So I'm going to try, I think we should try and focus on that as much as possible today. Uh, we're going to introduce a bit of a new segment too, which is called Cricket Around the World, because there's been some amazing test matches played overseas that we wanted to just touch in on. Because yep. um, test cricket is here, Chris. It's here, and while it's here, we just got to relish it. We've got to relish every moment. Yeah, we got We we do. We have to relish it. Uh, you know, like some sort of salad that you put relish <laughs> on. What do you put relish on, Pat? What meals? <laughs> well, I was hoping you'd go for some kind of delicious sandwich, but uh, do you know what I mean? Like right. A delicious sort of tomato sandwich. I mean, I mean, uh, I mean, nachos. You could do some relishy action in a nacho. Could you not? Oh, I think you salsa. I'm gonna level with you, Pat. I don't know what relish is. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a condiment of some sort. I don't know. I'm not sure. So I was gonna. Make, I, that's where I got lost because I couldn't. Uh, I, you know, because I was like, yeah. I know you put relish on things, yeah, but I don't know what or when where, or what even what? it is that you're putting on the <laughs> supposed thing. Like, for what purpose it exists? It's some sort of algebraic equation where we're trying to solve for relish. 
Well, yeah, yeah. salt for relish. Look, I mean, if only they did maths like that in high school, I might have actually learned something. Um, I tell you, a man who did learn a bit of math in high school was Jai Singh, CTB. <laughs> yes. um, do you like my segue there? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm sure he was. A, I, I assume he was an adequate mathematician. Well, just the way that he, if, he, if he deals with normal math as well as he deals with cricket statistics, let me tell you, B-Train, he's got a PhD as far as I'm concerned. Right. Um, there's a bumper Indian interjection coming oh. up later in the pod. Um, he's done some serious analysis, Jai. Um, I, you know, maybe we should bring him on full time to do analysis for us, Chris. That's all I'm saying. Um, it's it's in-depth, folks. It's in-depth and it's extensive. Um, but Chris, I, I wanted to play his retort to you because um, last week, the last uh, pod you brought up about Jai's cricket bat. Um, I just want to remind the listener of that particular tale. Yes, Pat. Yeah. Uh, so uh, one of those I was really excited about uh, Jai coming on board um, uh, for the Two for None podcast, joining the, uh, the the Two for None fam, which, by the way, is slowly becoming three or four or five for none. I might say. Um, yeah, it's a great point. <laughs> yeah, uh, is. Uh, one, I, I've known Jai for a while um, and firstly have always associated Jai with a keenness for cricket, uh, mm. which rivals that of yours and mine. Um, but also Jai is the only person that I've ever known uh, to have had a homemade uh, cricket bat, uh, which I have very vivid memories of. Um, and um, I've been hoping that uh, he might be able to uh, enlighten us uh, uh, or help us revisit this this, uh, heady time in our lives. And look, he has done exactly that, folks. Let's just quickly flick to Jai um, for the story of these homemade cricket bats, how they came to be, and uh, his overall point of view of those. Here he is. And now I've been asked to turn to another matter and shed some light on one of the greatest revolutions in cricket kit manufacturing since DK Lilly unveiled the aluminium bat in 1979. I must say I'm rather astonished at Chris Barty for remembering it, let alone thinking it worthy of a global audience. But here goes. The year was 1998. I was already cricket mad, but extremely slight of build and poor of eyesight. I think it was these factors that prevented me from getting a bat in the schoolyard cricket game at lunchtime. So I decided to form a game of my own and tried to enlist all the people who were even less talented than myself, i.e. those people who didn't know how to play cricket at all. Rather than aping my rivals and purchasing my own standard set of yellow plastic bats and stumps, I decided to produce my own wooden bat. Of course, when I say I, you have to remember that I was only nine. So a lot of the steps involved, like the thinking and the doing parts of the process, were taken on by my father. We went to Bunnings, which, for the benefit of the worldwide audience that Chris and Pat claim this podcast has, is Australia's biggest chain of hardware stores. We bought two wooden fence posts, and the ones we selected were about two to three inches across, one centimetre or so thick, and had some sort of flowery, spark-looking thing at one end. An angle grinder was utilised to remove this and to strip away two segments of wood to create a handle. The handle was then covered with tennis racket grips to make it more comfortable to hold onto. I preferred the grey handled bat with the spongy grip, but most of the players preferred the black handle with the simple tape style grip. I continued to use those bats for social hitouts right into my 20s, don't tell Chris because I didn't invite him to them. And the bats do actually have a sweet spot, it just isn't very thick. 
So if the ICC is looking for a new bat design to restore the balance between bat and ball in the modern game, I may have the answer you're looking for. Well, CTB, how about that? ICC, if you're ready, if you're available, Jai's got a new bat design for you. He's, he's throwing it out there. Man, let me just point this out real quick. <laughs> real quick. Uh-huh. Jai Singh is an OG of cricket. I'm just saying. I can't get a game at lunchtime. So what I'm going to do is make my own bat and my own yeah. game and revel in the purity <laughs> of cricket. Um, it's about finding your tribe, Chris. It's about man, finding your tribe. So, oh, just... Uh, uh, I mean, uh, mad love for that, for Jai, for mad for, for that, as I said. How do you feel about um, not being invited to recent hitouts, though, CTB? Uh, I don't want to push too well, hard there, but I feel like you've been left out in the cold. You get a guy on a podcast and he doesn't even call you up for a hit round. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, you know, look, I'm not going to say it doesn't hurt, but I did say... <laughs> That Jai was a trill OG of cricket, uh-huh. a true real OG of cricket, a trill OG. And um, sometimes when you're an OG, you just got to be a stone cold killer. Hey, and, hey, yeah. You know, it's just true to form. And I think what you'll discover, if you hadn't already discovered on the last episode, is that Jai, particularly when it comes to this statistical analysis uh, of cricket is in fact a, a a stone cold killer, and uh, I wouldn't expect anything less, except maybe an invite uh, to the next one. Well, mate, I got my fingers crossed for you for the next game that uh, you'll be there sending down some of those wily left arm orthodox slash leggies, depending on how you're feeling about your life, mate. Uh, let's let's do about a cricket round the world, CTB. Let's talk about um this this crazy test which happened over in Wellington um, with the Kiwis playing the Sri Lankans, and mate. Uh, you know, India, sorry, Sri Lanka is going through a bit of a transitional period, kind of similar to Australia at this point. They've lost a couple of huge players and there's a lot of new blokes coming into the team, um, which is wonderful to see. Uh, but they were totally outshone by a New Zealand side led by a rampant Tom Latham, who scored 264 not out, carried his bat, Bardo. What a wild game this was. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I tell you what, I, when I first tuned into this game a, a few days ago, um, uh, Sri Lanka were in a world of hurt um, with uh, Tim Southey was the first one that I noticed, uh, first and foremost. I think he had um, had Sri Lanka three for eight there at one stage. Holy um, moly. So they were, Sri Lanka were in a world of hurt uh, at, uh, uh, sorry, three for nine. I take that back. Uh, and actually did reasonably well to post the first inning score of 282, uh, headlined by uh, 83 to the captain, Angelo Matthews. Uh, yeah. Sorry, not, not to the captain, Angelo Matthews. Uh, uh, sorry, prolific all-rounder, Angelo Matthews. Um, so they, they did really well to, to, to find their way back into this game. But I tell you what, it says something, a little bit of something about uh, the state of New, New Zealand cricket at the moment. Because not only um, did Tommy Latham uh, score 264, but let's not forget that that's coming off the back of a serious victory in Pakistan, which was something mm. that Australia couldn't muster. Um, and you make a great point. You know, there, now mate, they've just yeah. taken uh, Sri Lanka to absolute task. 
uh, Tommy Latham, as we said, with 264. But uh, just underneath him, uh, uh, the skipper, uh, Captain Kane, uh, Kane mm. Williamson, um, with uh, a, a marvellous 91. Uh, it almost a runner ball, if you don't mind. Um, <laughs> just continuing, he's marvellous. Well, he's one of the best batsmen in world cricket and has been for some he time. He really is, mate. And you know what? He's so glorious to watch that bloke. Not only does he have every gear to change up and down and, and every shot in the book, um, but I think in terms of, if you think about a classical technique and, and how he approaches his batting, it doesn't get any better than, than Kane Williamson. Uh, he stands a little taller at the crease than Virat Kohli, um, and, and seems to, yeah, be very, very graceful in, in how he goes about it. And look, 91 from 93 is a pretty exceptional effort. I bet it was hooping around in Wellington too, mate. I mean, it's Wellington. It was bound to be hooping around corners. Um, your mate Colin de Gronholm as well, CTV, mm. down the bottom of the order there with a 49 or 53, if you don't mind. So... In the middle, Ross Taylor and Henry Nichols had to absorb a bit of pressure and put on a 100-run partnership, but just a huge total error of uh, 578 all out. Yeah, mate, but... Massive. The funny thing about this game is um, I, I reckon at uh, when New Zealand had um, Sri Lanka at 3 for 13 in the second innings, they would have been uh, thinking about uh, an early end of the test match, uh, what uh, sort of relish they're going to put on their dish of choice uh, after the match. Um, but Putting their feet up in the sheds, bit of a long time in the ice bar. Just relishing the free time. Um, but um, uh, little did they, uh, little did they realise that... Uh, Mendes, and again, that man, uh, Angelo Matthews, would put on one of the all-time great match-saving partnerships uh, with um, uh, Mendes scoring 141 of uh, 335 deliveries uh, for a whopping, uh, in a whopping 455 minutes at the crease, which, uh, you know, it's a, what's that, seven and a half hours, which is just, Jeez. Ridiculous. So that's a that's a day of play and a bit, and then Angelo Matthews with uh, also with four hundred and forty seven minutes at the crease for one hundred and twenty runs. You know, similarly also again a day of play and a bit to save the game for Sri Lanka. So um, you know we know that Sri Lanka is obviously going to be visiting uh, Australia later in the summer. Uh, I believe with games in uh, Canberra? Canberra and. Hobart, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, which is, uh, you, you know, so so if we're thinking on the basis of that first innings that Australia is just going to roll Sri Lanka, we better think again because um, it, despite finding themselves in two precarious positions, um, they have managed to work their way out of it. Um, but as we said at the top of the uh, segment, Pat, uh, New Zealand uh, looking uh, pretty strong at the moment. Looking really strong, mate. They've got to, you know, if Southie and Trent Bolt get it right, I mean, far out. And Neil Wagner's been a pretty solid bowler for a fair amount of time, oh, too. Sure. Aggressive sucker. Um, and Colin, the Grondheim, you know. Um, Ajaz Patel, 
Uh, Javit Raval there chipping in with a couple of Ajaz Patel doing his, uh, his off breaks, I believe, um, getting in there and causing some trouble. So uh, credit to him, Chris. What an incredible game. And, and look, this happened a week or two ago, but the similarities here are quite pronounced. Uh, this is Bangladesh versus the Windies, um, which was over in Mirpur uh, in Bangladesh. And, and look, Bangladesh in the first dig scored 508 which is intergalactic. And guess what? The bloke who scored the 100, you'd expect him to be in the top six. You'd be wrong. It was the number seven. Oh, wow. Dula got 136 of 242 balls, which is quite exceptional. Um, Shakib Al-Hassan, obviously the great uh, all-rounder there, got a solid 80 in the middle of the order. And there, an, an opener who I haven't come across before, Shadab Islam, uh, got 170, sorry, 76, should I say. If you got 176, that'd be bloody incredible. So some, some really, really huge... Uh, innings there, and the poor old Windies, Chris, could not get it together. The Bangladeshis bowled them out twice, back to back, 111, and then enforced the follow one and, and did them again, 213, it's all out. So, I mean, it, what that shows to me, Chris, and you and I have been talking about this for a while, is the prodigious decline of West Indian cricket. Mm. I mean, we, we all know that paying Bangladesh in Bangladesh is a tough tough job um, difficult place to play and the pitches are far removed from um, what they what they would be for the West Indian touring side but far out mate like you've got a there's something really wrong uh, you know he says in Hamlet um, something's wrong in the state of Denmark well let me tell you Chris something is wrong in the state of West Indian cricket um, they're having some real real troubles yeah. over there yeah look it's, it's less than ideal um I think the you know obviously uh, the majority well not the majority a, a, a significant portion of West Indian talents now plying their trade on the T20 circuit um, and perhaps this you know this is uh, potentially resulting in a dilution of talent playing Test cricket which is not to take away from the guys that are playing Test cricket at the moment I've got no doubt they're playing their best they were trying their best and um, you know I think the other point that you make there Pat is a valid one. Uh, playing Bangladesh in Bangladesh these days is um, not the same proposition that it was a few years ago. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, uh, if I recall correctly, Australia's last test tour of Bangladesh didn't go that well. Um, no, good point. Um, and uh, the uh, Bangladeshi spinners are, are reasonably accomplished these days. Um, so that's, you know, that in itself is a credit to Bangladeshi cricket. Uh, but, you know, you're right. I mean, the wind is... Um, have a bit of work to do if they're if they're going to be featuring more prominently in the uh, ICC Test rankings. And mate, I just needed to bring up Mahedi Hassan, who bowled seven for fifty-eight in that first innings to rip the Windies for hundred and eleven all out. I mean, that's an extraordinary effort. Yeah, um, off sixteen overs. And while we're talking about extraordinary efforts, mate, I, I tagged you in this uh, video from the Wild World of Sports on the Instagram uh, sent to me by the great Harry Harvey. Um, big has, if you're listening, I'm just going to tip the hat to you, pal. Um, what a legend. An under-19s Indian prodigy by the name of Rex Singh took 10 for 11 in a stunning spell of bowling. And 
If you like seeing middle stumps cartwheeling out the ground, if you like seeing hooping in-swingers from a left armour, if you like seeing batsmen being dispatched, then uh, have a look at it, folks. It is an extraordinary spell. Um, and it's great to see India, not known for their fast bowling stocks, suddenly coming to the fore there, Chris, with a couple of really good seamers backing up one after the other. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Um, although the one thing I will make, the one point I will make uh, about that video, and, and far be it for me to disparage young uh, Rexy, um, some of the shot selection um, <laughs> leaves a bit to be desired. Yeah, um, but hey, you got to take them, right? You got to take them. You got to put them on the stumps. Got to take them. And he was definitely swinging them around the corner. Um, so full credit there. I wish I could swing him like that. Uh, but yeah you and me both pal uh, if I was a batting coach I wouldn't have been overly thrilled with that uh, bit of vision there but uh, anyway good on him as I said you got to take him you got to put him on the stumps and uh, one to look out for the future there Rex Rex Singh good uh, bloody on him if you ask me CTB mate uh, you may have noticed that Heidi Cheadle's not on the pod this week that's not because we don't love hides and she will not not be back in the future. She absolutely will be back in the future. It's just because I didn't get organized enough to be able to call her before the pod went down. So uh, I'll do an extended bit of women's cricket in the next episode. I did just want to mention uh, a quick game which went down very recently with the Brisbane women's, the Brisbane Heat, absolutely annihilating the Stars, CTB. Right. The Stars were all out for 132, right? Pretty okay. good score. Off 20 overs, no problems. Then out comes Grace Harris and hits 101 off 42. The Heat win without losing a wicket off 10 overs. Now, if I'm if I'm not incorrect, uh, this is the same Grace Harris that absolutely went to town for Queensland whilst the uh, Southern Stars were on uh, on World Cup duty. Uh, is that the is that one of the same? That is the one in the same CCB. One in the same. Grace Harris at the future of women's cricket. Beth Mooney couldn't get a shot off. She faced 25 balls, made 28 in that opening partnerships, but by all accounts was hardly there. While Harris was just teeing off down the other end. 13-4, six sixes, a strike rate of 240. Well, yeah, mate, definitely uh, anytime you have a strike rate of 240, that is... Uh Somewhat reasonable. Um, uh, I could, I guess, we could accept that. Um, uh, just, yeah. just. I think, Chris. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's just okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I've got higher strike rates on on Don Bradman cricket 2014, <laughs> but um, PlayStation Edition. Uh, but uh, I, I think I could, I can deal with uh, 240. So yeah, Grace Harris, one to watch for the future for sure. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Chris, let's do it, big man. Let's dive into the test uh, because it was just quite incredible. Um, For once, for the first time in living memory, Tim Payne won the toss. And I think the entire country breathed a short sigh of relief. I know I did. I couldn't believe it that we'd finally won a toss. Uh, And Harris and Finch came out and didn't they look good on that first day, Chris? Man, they, they did. They looked very solid. Um, couple of 50s, um, good news. Uh, good news all around. Um, I, I think um, it's definitely the most accomplished that uh, we've seen our, our, our new opening partnership 
uh, in in some time. And I got to say, like you know, you, you wind back a couple of episodes in in our podcast history, and I was a little bit skeptical of the selection of Marcus Harris, um, but he's made a believer out of me in the last couple of innings. I've got to say, um, when he's made twenties, granted they're only twenties, but they have looked reasonably uh, reasonably solid. Um, and uh, I think you know, as we said, this was. Uh, uh, just a completely um, unpredictable uh, pitch. Uh, and so to make 70 um, in these conditions is uh, really, really admirable. Um, uh, I thought Finch's performance in the first innings was good. He'd, I'm sure he'd be frustrated to get out for uh, to get out for 50 and, and not to kick on. Um, and I'll be honest, uh, look, I, th- I thought at the conclusion of the first innings, I felt, well... Our batsmen have done a reasonable job. It would have been nice if yeah. someone had a kicked on to make a century just from the point of view of that, that kind of mental, uh, 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 you know, touchstone uh, to kind of overcome yeah. that because we haven't made a century thus far in the series. Um, but that being said, I thought it was a better team batting performance. Um, yeah, as you say, headlined by the opening pair. And look, Finchie gave away a couple of chances in that in that first um, innings of his, but but by and large they looked really good. Marcus Harris is being compared to uh, Justin Langer, Chris Rogers, and David Warner as some kind of you know midpoint between those three batsmen, and that's some pretty bloody good comparison if you ask me. Um, he's got some real Langer esque moments about him, and and I'm a big fan of that. Um, he looks composed at the crease, and Chris, some of his straight driving, especially his straight driving and his square driving, was was really quite wonderful. Um, he was uh, caught by Rahane off of Vihari's bowling for seventy. Uh, Finchie copped a pretty good ball from Boomerah to be out LBW, um, and Usman Khawaja couldn't really get off the mark. He was out for five. Sauce made a solid 45 CTB, which I'm sure you were pleased about. It was really devastating to not see him go on further. And, and again, like we've just got this real propensity to lose wickets in and around breaks. Um, and that's just, it's just not great. But mate, for me, the the dent in the armour um, for the Australian batting lineup was Petey Hanscom. Petey's, Petey's not looking in, in great touch, mate. Both of his dismissals in this game were not great. Um, and and the, the way that he's standing so far back in his crease, looking to play everything off the back foot, they're so obviously setting him up um, for those fuller deliveries. And it's just looking really problematic. I, I don't think they will change the side for the Melbourne Test for Boxing Day. Um, and he's a Victorian, so, you know, you've got to give him a red-hot go. But... At the same time, mate, he really doesn't look great. He looks like a wicket waiting to happen at this point. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, look, and, and that certainly seems to be the consensus amongst uh, you know the pundits on the on the commentary on the various channels. Uh, you know, I know you know during the week, Warnie uh, Warnie got it on the tweet. Um, oh. You know, uh, Ricky Ponting's been on cricket.com.au. Um, you know, saying that his test, his technique at the moment doesn't quite look test match ready. Um, however, look, I don't mind the analysis that, that Mark Waugh gave in mm. that um, this is a guy, uh, a summer or two ago, uh, yeah. that was a breakout star yeah, and was making a lot of runs. 
Um, and we were all really happy to have Peter Hanscom in the team. Now, what we don't know and what would be an interesting comparison is what's changed between now and then. That's that's yeah. not really a question that's been answered. I think people are just sort of saying, oh, he's really far back in the crease and, and, and all the rest. What I would say is, and, and I, I sort of agree with Mark War's analysis here, is that um, uh, he, as you say, he, he is a Victorian. He plays on the MCG week in and week out. Um, so there is, this is clearly a guy that knows how to score runs. He's clearly a talented batsman, having a bit of a, a, a lean spell. Um, but if there is a place that he will make runs and find form, um, this is it. Now, if uh, if Australia is to make a change to the batting lineup, then you have to do it in such a way that suggests that the guy that's bringing in, bringing in is going to add something to the team that um, uh, Peter Hanscom does not. Um, and at the moment... The only guy that you might bring in is is Joe Burns, but Joe Burns hasn't been selected as part of the uh, squad of thirteen. So you've got to think to that way of thinking that they're not going to make a change, um, that they are giving Peter Hanscom an opportunity to shine on the MCG. Um, and um, look, at this point, I think all we can do is, is get behind him. But uh, look, certainly his dismissals haven't been great. Uh, so far in this tour, I think a couple of rash shots. Uh, his dismissal in the second innings, which I'm sure we'll get to, is probably a ball that if he was a little bit further forward, uh, most of the pundits seem to indicate that you know he would have been able to play that on the front foot. Um, but uh, look, I guess I guess that we don't get to play executioner on this one, and uh, yeah. you know no, we'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens after the MCG test. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting thinking about his, his the way that he was going about it when he was facing the likes of Kagisa Rabada um, and and Kyle Abbott and those guys who, who were bowling very, 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 very well. Um, and he was able to get forward to those deliveries, and he's not at this point. So to bowlers of a comparative pace. So it's interesting, Chris. You, you're probably right there, mate. It might just be a small tweak which could make a, a big difference. Um, Trav Head did really well, made a 58 off 80 there, really held things together towards the end. And, and mate, I, I've been absolutely loving Tim Payne with the bat. Um, gosh, he's gritty. You know what so I mean? He, he's so gritty. He's like a Western. He's like, you know, he's like Clint Eastwood film. He's sitting there just with like a cigar hanging out of his mouth, just like grimly defending yeah. and, and bantering with Coley um, and the umpire. Which I thought was very, very funny. <laughs> yeah. Are you watching? Yeah. Oh, man. Just um, as I said uh, in the last podcast after we were kind of dissecting um, the the loss, um, this is a team that, all right, we're not necessarily chockers, uh, you know, full of the brim of, uh, of generational talent here. But, uh, you know, we're full of capable players who are busting a gut to win games of cricket for Australia. And if not win, then play in a manner that we can be proud of. And that's to me, is led by Tim Payne. Um, mm. You know, I, I think his cheeky banter has been hilarious. And I think the the way in which he batted in the first innings was terrific. Um, you know, uh, when he came to the crease at, at, at uh, 5 for 232... Mm. Uh, you would have thought there's a little bit of work to be done, um, and he and uh, he he helped us get there uh, with a really handy 38. So um, 
I think he's proven not only proven his uh, his selection as captain, but I think also proven his value um, as to when he was selected in the in the team for the Ashes last summer. When we, yeah. If you think back to our months, we all thought that was a really weird selection. Yeah, um, I ranted about it for an extended period, and I was definitely wrong about that. You know, um, uh, but. Uh, <laughs> Fast forward twelve months and um, we can't stop singing his praises. So, um, great stuff. Great stuff. Nathan Lyon looked again looked really solid with the bat um, with a nine, and uh, Joshy Hazelwood couldn't get off the mark. Caught um, by Pant off Sharma. The bowling figures: uh, Ishan Sharma bowled really well, four for forty-one there. Um, Boomerang picked up two. Yadav picked up two, and uh, Bahari picked up two. I tell you what, though, Chris, they really suffered um, from not having an off spinner in their side um, by picking without picking Jadeja. They left themselves a little bit ham strung there um, and look didn't we get away to a flyer um, Starkey bowled VJ for a duck through the gate how's your father Josh Hazelwood got rid of Rahul with also with a Yorker straight into middle and leg how's your father see you later my son um, Pajara we got rid of him in only 103 balls <laughs> um, which is a record right um, the wall, the new wall, um, the Mexico border is what I'm going to start calling Pajara. Uh, is that is that too much of an extension? Uh, maybe a, <laughs> uh, maybe a smidge. Um, uh, look, the there are some certainly some uh, talented batsmen in that Indian lineup, aren't there? And Far I out. mean, for me, it really comes down to that middle order. Um, mm. Uh, I don't think I really appreciated up until now just how good Pajara is. Um, He's bloody awesome. Um, And India really just looked pretty formidable when Pajara and Kohli are at the crease. Um, Do you remember that Ashes series, Chris, when Jonathan Trott came out here and he was just indefeatable? Undefeatable, should I say. You just like, we could not get him out. We couldn't buy his wicket. Everything worked out for him. And it was so frustrating to bowl to. Um, I'm having similar vibes with Pajara here. This like stoic number three who's just like lets everything go. Only hits the ball when it's in his areas. And then just stays at the crease for 14 hours and never gets out. Um Far out. I mean, the ball that got him was a bit of a lucky one too, but we'll take it. Hooli dooly. Which brought Virat out. And speaking of great Indian batsmen, mate, didn't he show his class oh. in the innings of 123? Yeah, I mean, on a wicket that really just about everybody else uh, struggled struggled with, um, Kohli just looked a class apart. And I'll, I'll be honest, there were stages in his uh, innings um, where I sort of thought he's he's going to win this game off his own back, um, yeah. and we're in a bit of we're in a world of hurt here. Um, but I was trying to explain to my housemate Chris. I was like, we've got to get him now. Like if we he was like forty. I was like, if we don't get Coley in the next sort of two or three overs, then he's going to he's going to score a hundred here. Like we're, we're cooked. And my housemate was like, oh really? I'm like, yeah. Really? If, if we don't get him when he's under 40, you're stuffed. Like, forget about it. Um, 
And yeah, you're absolutely right. We should talk a bit more about the pitch too, Chris, just in case people didn't see the game. The pitch on, on day one looked like it was going to be a green monster, mm. like it was going to seam all over the place, um, drastically affected India's decision to play four fast bowlers, um, and then ended up being this wild up-and-down two-paced pitch. From one end, it was very flat and very true. From the other end, balls were, were going underground. Balls were bouncing right up off a length um, until by like the second Australian innings, people started to wonder on commentary whether it was worth the umpire saying that it was a dangerous pitch. Um, yeah. Mate, what did you make of well, it? Well, I mean, it was really interesting you make the point about India not playing a specialist spinner. But in the first innings, I mean, Vahari took too far. And he was extracting... I mean, he he just uh, sort of bowls, uh, you know, dollies, really. Um, yeah. And um, he was extracting some crazy bounce from the pitch. Um, and at times, looked nigh on unplayable. Um, so, look, I, the point I make about the pitch is this. I mean, obviously, added a lot, a lot of theatre to, the, to the game. And in recent years, we've all kind of... Well, I feel as though there's been a general kind of bemoaning of the fact that most pitches are batsman-friendly. And if you're a bowler, you get smashed a bit. Um, and lo and behold, now we have a pitch which is not necessarily batsman friendly. It was only really uh, uh, suitable to the batsman once the uh, once the ball got uh, quite a bit older. Um, but what an exciting test match it produced, um, where batsmen where batsmen actually had to do some batting. Um, yeah, you know. And I'm, look, I'm not saying that they they don't do batting normally but um they had to display different aspects of their craft i guess is the point that i'm making and um it produced just a wonderfully exciting test match look obviously um you do have to to take into consideration um the safety of the players and um you you know we saw uh marcus harris get hit on the helmet we saw nathan lyon get hit on the helmet uh, Finchie get hit on the Finchie hand. Finchie get hit on the hand and split his finger open. So Usman get hit in the nads, which was moderately hilarious. Usman get, for, Usman get hit in the nads. Um, <laughs> so, you know, there were a few injuries out there. So you do have to obviously put the, the safety of players first. That's, that's paramount. But um, I didn't mind having a pitch. Aside from that, I didn't mind having a pitch that made it a little bit tougher for the batsmen. Um, I mean... You know, as I said, test it's it's test match cricket, and uh, uh, that can be a way in which test match cricket sets itself apart, and that batsmen have to demonstrate a different aspect of their craft. Absolutely, Chris, and it's and it's something that I struggle to describe to people who don't watch test cricket or have never come across it for why it's so phenomenal is how the surface changes and how that forces both the bowler and the batsman to react utterly differently. Now, when Nathan Lyon might spend a lot of his life trying to hit the top of off stump, all of a sudden a crack appears in the ground, which dramatically changes the way that he goes about his business and therefore how the batsman plays and therefore how the captain sets a field. So it's it's one of the only games that I know where the environment plays such a role. And in this test, it was a wild beast. It was, it was very exciting. Uh, anyway, I, I think we, we covered that there, mate. Nathan Lyon was incredible in that first innings. He took five for, five for 67, um, which was extraordinary. Stark, he looked a lot better, I thought, than he did in Adelaide. Um, seemed to get the radar back a bit, two for 79. Uh, Hazelwood, two for 66. Geez, Pat Cummins bowled better than this. He got one for 60, but he looks like he looked like a much better bowler than that. 
um, and it was unlucky to take a few more. The second Australian innings, Chris, was where the pitch really started to go wild, um, especially by the middle order. Those balls, the balls that got out, Payne, Head, um, and Cummins were truly quite wild. Um, but let's let's start at the top, eh, mate? Uh, poor Marcus Harris couldn't get past 20. Um, Finchy got hit and couldn't uh, retire on 25 to return later in the innings. And Usman came back. And, mate, wasn't it wonderful to see Usman back in some form, hitting the ball well? I tell you what, um, Usman, well, first of all, let me say this. Marcus Harris, use your bat. Uh, just use it. Just use Get it. Get the bat. There. Use that. Um, use that one. Uh, but uh, look, I wouldn't have picked a line. I would have had no idea. Um, um, Finchy, uh, Finchy's 25. I thought actually looked really solid. And he scored at a much faster strike rate, a more natural strike rate for Aaron Finch. Um, yeah, totally. Uh, and uh, I read this morning that... Um, Justin Langer kind of had a bit of a... This was reported in the West Australian this morning. The Justin Langer kind of had a, an intervention with Aaron Finch a little while ago. because oh, really? Because he was concerned about Finchie's uh, fitness levels. And <laughs> He um, is a bigger boy, and Aaron Finch, for a modern player. And his smoking habit. Um, oh, no way. And uh, all I've got to say to Finchie is, look, Finchie, you smoke the short, wide ones, not the long, thin ones. Um, ah, hey, oh, hey, um, hey, oh, line that up from a long way away. Um, <laughs> but uh, look, I thought he look I, before he got hit in the hand. I thought that it's the best I've seen Aaron Finch look at the at the top of the order, and uh, excited that he can come back uh, for uh, uh, the Boxing Day test and hopefully carry that on, uh, carry that form on, and really go on and make a big dirty fat one. Um, that'd be that'd be terrific. But you're right, Pat. I think we've got to reserve some special praise for Usman Kawaja. This guy, mm. at the moment, I believe is Australia's best batsman. Um, you, you know, I've been a, along with the Marsh brothers. You know, I've been a long time advocate for uh, for big Uzi. time advocate, Chris. Big time advocate for the Queensland captain, and um, uh, repaid me in spades. Uh, repaid me in spades with his innings. That is about as good a half half century as you'll see at a time when his country desperately needed it really patient innings um and the mm. only reason he didn't go on to make a century was because he copped just an unplayable ball from uh, oh. from uh second innings chamois um how would you describe that delivery ctb just frightening really <laughs> i don't want to face that um uh, I mean, it should have just pitched just short of a length and popped right, it bounced right up, nearly took Kawaja's face off. He just managed to get a hand in front of it. Um, it was a, a very impressive delivery from second inning Shami there. I mean, the, the fact that's worth taking note about that innings from Usman is the fact it took him 213 balls to score his 72. He was there for a really long time. Um, and in, like we say, in very difficult conditions. Um, Sauce came and went pretty rapidly there. Um, as did Petey Hanscom. Travis Head fell for the trap they set for him very yeah, perfectly. Yeah, look, this was, that was an annoying dismissal because they did the same thing in the first innings and you've, you've hit it in the same spot twice. It's like, come on, Trav. He's a young man like they gave, and I get it. They, they, they told you the magic behind the trick and you still fell for it. Um, that was kind of annoying. But... You know, as I said, he's he's batted reasonably well in uh, in both in Adelaide and, and the first innings here in Perth. So uh, we can we can extend some armchair forgiveness to him. Um, but 
if I tell you what, Trav, you fall for that again in Melbourne. Hey, hey Trav, you're gonna get a few of these. Trav, yeah. Oh, you'll get um, bantery jokes from me on Facebook, Trav. So bloody watch out for that, pal. You just pull your head in. Um, no, look, Chris, I think that what that is is a young man who's used to playing a lot of short-form cricket and you can, where you can get away with that sort of stuff when there aren't blokes outside the ring. But India was so obvious with it. They were like, there's a bloke at third man. We're bowling wide outside the off stump. Have a crack, my son. And sure enough, he went for it. So I, I think you'll learn from that experience. Um, the skipper again, uh, Clint Eastwood, stole to the crease there uh, with a fistful of dollars and, and gritted it out for 37 off 116. Um, and the bowlers contributed well. Starkey had a very entertaining innings, as did Josh Hazelwood, um, to get us up to being 40 in front, which ended up being completely uh, essential. Shami there finished with 6 of 56, the pick of the Indian bowlers, um, and he was wonderful in that second innings. Not only did he use the, the variable bounce of the pitch well, um, but he got the old ball to talk and at one point was on a hat-trick um, and looked very, 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 very close to getting it. Uh, talented man. It's been surprising how many hat-tricks or potential hat-tricks we've had in this series so far, Chris. I think there's been three already potential hat-tricks yeah, right. that, that haven't quite come off, but it's pretty rare that that goes down. Um, Boomer at two. I think it was the ball to, to Pat Cummins uh, that the Boomer bowled, yeah. might have been Starkey, that went absolutely underground, uh, pitched on a length, and went it hit the stumps about one centimetre above the turf as a grass cutter. Uh, ab- again, unplayable. Um, very, very impressive. I tell you what, mate, that ball from, uh, from Boomer to Cummins stayed lower than a limbo bar on a geriatric cruise, mate. Uh, <laughs> I like that a lot, Chris. I'm using that. Oh, hey, it's, it's yours. Um, it's, it's all yours. I appreciate but, it. But uh, mate, it's funny you mentioned earlier in the um, uh, in the pod about the, the the effects of time in Test match cricket. Isn't it funny what a different man Muhammad Shami t- turns into in the second innings? <laughs> Six for fifty six and virtually unplayable. Um, um, and by by all accounts, does this sort of thing all the time. Um, just amazing. I I I wonder what what it is about the second innings for uh, for uh, second inning Shami that uh, that brings him alive. The other the other person we, we spoke a, a, a length also about Boomer um, last week, and then obviously as we've said now was he was equally devilish uh, in the second innings here against Australia. But I just mm. want to reserve some praise as well for Ishan Sharma um, yeah. because I, I think he's matured really well uh, since his his early days with. Uh, uh, with India and, and, and I think this might even be his third tour of Australia at the, at the moment I believe it is yeah um, and I re- remember him coming out on his first tour and um, uh, he was easy runs um, yeah but uh, you know um, he's really showed promise showed but promise, was easy yeah. runs for sure but uh, you know uh, I think he's yeah, he's he's clearly the uh, the elder statesman of that uh, Indian attack at the moment. Bowled extraordinarily well in the first innings, um, and and certainly not someone you can take for granted uh, anymore. Do you know what they're attributing his success success to partially, Chris? What's that? Is his time spent with Jason Gillespie uh, in county cricket 
that he's spent a bit of time being coached by Diz. And allegedly, the ball that he has now, which slides on towards the batsman, uh, as opposed to the one that seems away, is uh, an a Jason Gillespie special. So, look, um, credit to Diz there, if, if that is the case, um, for, for adding to Ishan Sharma's armory. He's definitely got to be a very accurate bowler and, and, and does a great job for his side. So I agree with you there, mate. Um, wonderful work. And look, the, the second innings... Uh, for second Indian innings was, I mean, it was wonderful for us as Aussie supporters when Coley came and went. But, um, mate, it was hard fought. It was, uh, there was a lot of chat out there in the field. Um, the pitch was kind of crazy and then fine and then kind of crazy and then fine. And it was that man again, Nathan Lyon, who really took them to task. Uh, Rahul went early. Again, an absolute cracker of a ball by Stark. Little inside edge. Um, sorted him out. See you later. Um, Nathan Lyon got a great ball through to Murali Vijay as well to see him depart. Pajara faced the fewest number of balls. He's faced the entire test. Was out for four of the basing, bowling of Hazelwood um, before Virat came in. And, and Virat was the real key wicket here, Chris. If Virat was able to, to see them through, again, chasing a relatively small total then there, there could have been a way but fortunately Nathan Lyon bought him an absolute corker and uh, wasn't there a good bit of chat on the field there when he departed <laughs> did you hear all of that yeah no look again I, I think uh, that chat was on the, on the right side of uh, of uh, of competition the of the line this, the mythical line line um, yeah. do you know what Coley said about the line he was like anything you say on a cricket field is fine so long as you don't swear swearing is crossing the line everything else is fine right and I was sitting there being like you can say some pretty awful stuff to people without swearing like some pretty pretty heinous stuff you can be said without swearing Virat so I, I'm not sure about that pal yeah um, well you know, um, if that's where he said he's a lion, um, then that's where he, that's where it is, I suppose. Um, but um, interesting. Yeah, look, interesting, look, interesting, interesting, interesting to keep an eye on for sure. Um, look, I, I, you know, good team bowling performance from the Australians. You, you've got to yeah. say, um, every everyone contributed. everyone contributed, everyone played their part. Um, I thought lion, lion again was the pick of the bowlers. Um, just has such control and confidence these days. Um, he does, you know, master of his craft. And I don't think like it's it's like three hundred test wickets, like more than three hundred test wickets. Uh, it's is a marvel. Um, and um, I think now we're finally realizing how good this guy is. Um, and we're all, I think now we're in a sort of phase where, with Warn, you appreciated his skill immediately you know yeah from from 1992 onwards uh it was clear this guy was special um and then ball of the century and and you know yada yada, yada. but with lion because of those who have gone before he's really had to prove a lot to get to the point yeah. where we all can now sit back and go okay lino has got the ball something's gonna happen like we feel good. And I was kind of reflecting um, before the test match, mate, where you look down the list uh, and you sort of think, you know, last year you had Steve Smith, right? Like you would go and watch Steve yeah. Smith bat. It didn't matter what the state of the game was. If you thought there was a chance that Steve Smith would be batting today, you'd go and watch him. 
And you kind of look down the list of, of Australian players prior to this game, and you sort of think, like, yeah, you'll go because it's the Australian yeah. cricket team, but I don't know specifically who I'm going for. Who would I, yeah, who am I sure. going to watch and why? But now, I've got to say, you'd go and watch Nathan Lyon bowl. Like, that's, yeah. you know, that's, the, that's the world's best off spinner, arguably. He's the best off Australian finger spinner of all time. And, um, and stuff happens when he gets the ball. And he's exciting to watch. Yeah, and he, he really does make magic happen there, mate. He was he was quite exceptional. Um, Hazelwood and Stark and Lyon all took out the middle order there. Um, Rahane, Vahari, and Pant all going relatively cheaply. When Vahari and Pant were at the crease, there was I started to get a bit worried then too. Um, Vahari put on twenty eight off seventy five. Pant uh, thirty off sixty one. But once those two went, the Indian tail fell in a clatter as they did in the innings previous. Um, from eight for one three nine, they're all out for one forty. So lost a couple of quick wickets there which which really tore it apart and look it's a big problem for the Indians um, where the Australians have been able to do that really well uh, the, the the wickets were evenly shared Starkey 3 for 46 Hazelwood 2 for 24 um, Cummins 2 for 25 and Lyon 3 for 39 Australia ended up winning by 146 runs and Nathan Lyon was the player of the match with 8 for um, and overall Chris a really good result a deserved result but far out, it was tough for it. Far out, it made me realize how much I love Test cricket and and how great it is that we're watching this series, which is just so enthralling, um, full of twists and turns. Also, my prediction, CTB, of a 2-1 series victory is on the card still. So I'm uh, pretty pleased with how that's going. Oh, look, mate, and so, and, and so you should be. So you should be. Um <laughs> Did you have any final thoughts on that test, Chris? Before we uh, before we jump into an Indian interjection, yeah. So, um, I would like to refer to the Indian tail as the Asian grass lizard. <laughs> okay, oh, okay. Please, please explain why. Uh, because the Asian grass lizard Pat has a <laughs> tail, which has. A tail which is more than three times the length of its body, and if you ever if you ever Google an image of the Asian grass lizard, you'll see it's got a. Pretty, I'm doing it right now. It's got a pretty bloody long tail. You know what else has a pretty bloody long tail? What's that? Chris? The Indian batting lineup. Um, so hey, look, it's a very it's a handsome lizard. I'll give it that. But you're not wrong. That is a serious tail. It's a handsome lizard. It's a very handsome lizard. It's a fine lizard. Um, but, uh, or, Pat, you might prefer the long-eared jaboa, um, which is an endangered species native to Mongolia and northern China. Uh, it's a... Uh, oh, I mean, the long-eared jaboa is adorable. Yeah. Anyway, so those are some ta- animals with long tails, and that was a connection I wanted to make, is that... Um, those animals have long tails, and the Indian bat- batting lineup has a long tail. Um, and maybe next time, From henceforth, you know, CTB, we'll we'll know the uh, Indian tail as the AGL, the uh, Asian grass lizard. I think we can just abbreviate that and put it straight into canon. What do you reckon? Yeah, that that done done. Unless they start making some runs, in which case that we can find other suitable animals with shorter tails. Um, <laughs> 
Welcome to Two Nan. We not only get cricket, but you get a little bit of David Attenborough's like wide world of animals. Um, you know, just just tune in. Chat, come for the cricket. Stay for the mammalian kingdom. That's that's all I'm saying. Um, CTV, let's jump into an Indian interjection and hear some cracking analysis from our wonderful Indian correspondent, Jai Singh. Hello everyone and welcome to the second Indian interjection for the summer. This goes somewhat against national characteristics because Indians usually keep very quiet when they lose. Unfortunately, I'm bound by my contract to pop in with a few words despite India's comprehensive defeat. Overall, I don't think India played that badly. Defeat, certainly, but not disgrace. It is possible to offer up a few cliched excuses for the loss and forgive me while I do so. It was a good toss to win and Virat Kohli's dismissal was a little contentious. Actually, that's only two cliched excuses. But the key factor that kept India from competing on an even footing with a very professional Australian outfit was an error in team selection. This is something that keeps on happening. It's become such a pattern that you get quick info feedback comments from Indian fans taking it for granted that their selectors will make a hash of things. Virat Kohli has captained India in 43 tests now, and I cannot offhand remember one match when there hasn't been a really dumb selection. In Perth, it was the decision to go in with four fast bowlers. As it turns out, India misread the pitch and a decidedly green surface ended up being spin-friendly. But attacking the selection on the basis of hindsight would be unfair. India's big error was that they misread their resources. One of the things everyone knew after Adelaide was that India has a long tail. Numbers 9, 10 and 11 do know which end of the bat to pick up, but that's about it. I've crunched the numbers for India's tail in the Perth test across both innings and they make for sickening reading. 78 balls for 11 runs and 6 dismissals at an average of 1.83. This is exactly what you would expect from four number 11s. Clone Glenn McGrath four times, give each of the clones a good spray tan, maybe a beard, stick them in the Indian team and they would have done far better with the bat than this lot. By comparison, Ravi Chandran Ashwin made 25 from 76 balls in the first innings at Adelaide. That one inning still outscored all the bowlers at Perth in both innings. Remember the figures? 78 balls, 11 runs. In an age when your number eight has to be a bowling all-rounder, India's tail-end strategy defied belief. The only scenario in which it could conceivably have succeeded was if the bowlers had blasted Australia out for sub-200 totals in each innings. This, to me, means someone, somewhere, made a fundamental misjudgment about the value Umesh Yadav would bring to the team. Ashwin was injured, so the like-for-like replacement was Ravindra Jadeja. Someone must have compared the two of them and decided Yadav was the better bet. Yadav sats outside Asia, having played in Australia and England. A nine tests, 30 wickets at 43.79 and an economy rate of 4.41. Jadeja's stats outside Asia, having played in New Zealand, England and South Africa. Are eight tests, 25 wickets at 43.56 and an economy rate of 2.83. He's no less penetrative and he's a lot more economical. In South Africa, the most similar conditions to Australia in the cricketing world, he has six wickets at 25.66 and an economy rate of 2.47. Admittedly, only from one test, but that was in 2013 when he was a much more limited bowler. Umesh Yadav is a decent bowler in Indian conditions, where he can attack with reverse swing while the spinners plug up the other end but he is erratic and expensive. India were crying out for someone who could bowl all day and dry up the runs. That is what Jadeja is best at. Not to mention 
the Jodeja averages 32 with the bat in tests. Before the match, it would have looked like a safe decision. If Jodeja had bought half as well as Nathan Lyon, it might have proved inspired. Even the part-timer Hanuma Vihari bought 28 overs in the match and took two for 84. The good signs for India were a decent performance with bat and ball from Hanuma Vihari. Virat Kohli reaffirmed his class with a perfect test match innings. Jasprit Bumrah showed why he is being seen as a once-in-a-generation talent. He bowled 78 balls on day three, and 26 of those deliveries were either beaten, edged, or bowled. Exactly one third. Bumrah started out as a T20 Yorker specialist with an unorthodox action, successor to Lassus Malinga and Mumbai Indians. Then graduated to ODIs, and finally made it to the test side, where he led India's attack on Dubu in South Africa. This is why Ed Cowan said on ABC Radio that in six to seven years, with 50 tests under his belt, he will probably be regarded as India's best fast bowler of all time. The other thing that has to be mentioned is the opening partnership. At two for eight in the first innings, it was clear to everyone that India needed to have more runs on the board before Kohli comes into bat. Fortunately, in the second innings, they did have more runs on the board. Five, to be exact. You can't persist with the same openers when the series partnerships read 3, 63, 6 and 0. Consensus seems to be that Rahul will make way and Vijay will survive based on reputation and the scarcity of other options. Prithvi Shaw hasn't recovered and has been ruled out of the series. The other options are drafting in Mayank Agarwal or promoting Chetish Vapajara. Agarwal is the man in form in domestic cricket, having smashed records in the Ranji Trophy last year. He averages 49.98 from 46 first-class matches and has had success with the A-team overseas. The objection being raised in some quarters is that throwing him to the wolves by blooding him on a tour of Australia could damage his confidence. This school of thought suggests it would be better to get Pujara to open, as he is acclimatised to Australian conditions and has been facing the new ball consistently in this series anyway. This is probably the decision the selectors will make, but I think it could be a mistake. I don't approve of moving players away from their best position in order to shield a new player from a challenge. It would also create a hole at number three and create the danger of India being three down for not many instead of two down as it's been so far. The other possible selection they're looking at is Hardik Pandya coming into bat at number seven and provide an extra seam option. Hardik Pandya is an exciting prospect, but at the moment he's short of quality with both bat and ball at test level. He's a good bowler in seeming conditions and he's a good batsman in a situation where he can go on the attack. But to have both him and Rishabh Pant in the top seven is courting disaster. That said, I think India will follow the pattern of questionable selections and go for Vijay, Pujara, Bihari at three, Kohli, Rahane, Pant at six, Pandya at seven, Ashwin at eight if he's fit, Jadeja if he's not, then Ishant, Shami and Bumrah. I would prefer to see Agarwal instead of Pandya and the others in their correct positions. Thank you, Jai, uh, for a wonderful Indian interjection. And CTB, my mind is reeling from all those statistics. Uh, I feel like I've learned a lot again. Um, big thanks to Jai. What a legend. What a legend. Thanks, Jai. Appreciate it, mate. Uh, always learn something new when you're on the pod. Absolutely. CTB, that about brings us to the end of this uh, episode of Two for None. Um, quick thanks to everybody for listening, for finding us. Again, I hope you're all adapting to life post SoundCloud pretty well. Um, and please like, rate, review this podcast, share it with your mates, spread the word. You can find us on Facebook. That's at uh, Two for None, all one word. Uh, I haven't got around to starting an Instagram account, but I will do that at some point, I swear. Um, CTB, I guess we'll be back after... Boxing Day or um, Boxing Day looks like it's going to be pretty much the same one. It's from both sides. I'm not sure we need to put any more info in there about that. Do you reckon when you say anything more about Melbourne, what are you excited about for the Melbourne Test CTV for Boxing Day? Good question, Pat. Um, <laughs> what am I excited? Well, no, look, I'm excited for the spectacle. 
of uh, uh, of the great game on of the calendar year. I mean, it's something we look forward to every every year. I think you know we we'll, we can expect a packed house, ninety five thousand for sure. Um, yep. I'm calling it on uh, on Boxing Day. Um, I would love to see uh, a, a a threesome of centuries uh, oh. uh, to uh, Messrs. Uh, Finch, Marsh, and Hanscom. That's the dream. That's the dream. But I'll take one of three. Hopefully, all three. Uh, and then, and just a cheeky five hundred and fifty on the board, Chris. Bat for two days. Win the toss. Bat for two days, and then put the Indians in and scuttle them. How good would that be? Fantastic. Marvellous. That's what I'm looking forward to. Make it happen. Um, Pat, if wrapping up this podcast was a tale, <laughs> at the moment it would be the male long-tailed widow bird. <laughs> which has tail feathers to attract females. So, uh, maybe not. Well... Well, maybe, maybe not. Uh, we will see what we can do there. CTB, thank you as always for your company. We will be back after the next test um, towards the end of 2018. Thank you so much for being with us, ladies and gentlemen. You're a bunch of legends. CTB, thank you, sir. Any final words before we sign off? Yeah, look, it's a good-looking bird, the male long-tailed widow bird. <laughs> Give it a Google. <laughs> Give it a Google, folks. Thanks for being with us. And go those away!